0: Hey y'all, welcome back to But Not All at Once, the podcast for anyone who considers herself laid back, low maintenance, low key, chill even, and yet has psyched herself out of conversation after work assignment, after podcast episode, after activity. Again and again, decades of evidence would point to the fact that we are in no way low anything. Uh, We are in fact the opposite. And yet here I am on take, I don't even know what, of Rachel Hollis Part Deux, the episode I have been waiting to share with you for some time, this podcast 100th episode, and I, a person who records with no script, no outline, no notes, just me and a microphone and a quiet place to land have psyched myself out of recording this, I think because the 100th episode, it really got in my brain a little bit. It messed with me. It is such a tremendous privilege to talk to you week after week. If you are new to the podcast, you may not know that what we do is share women's stories. I am truly very easily intimidated by both inanimate objects and people, particularly shiny haired, totally quaffed put together head to toe, women carrying freshly baked goods or wearing four-inch heels or otherwise looking like she hasn't a care in the world. I see her across a cocktail party, a tailgate, a preschool parking lot, on my social media feed, and I think, in no way do I measure up. But what I've learned in the last few years is that absolutely everyone we see is carrying or recovering from something we couldn't imagine and but not all at once has been the great equalizer for me it's allowed me to use the journalistic side of my brain the curiosity and the empathy to connect with people to share that connection with you it has brought about a little community of which i am deeply proud and for some crazy reason 100 episodes has gotten into my brain a little bit. So I did everything I could. I started and I stopped and I faltered and I napped and here we are two and a half minutes into this episode just to tell you I'm human. You already knew this, but I'm really reminding myself that there is room for mistake. There's room for error. There's room for delay. There's room for grace, a go-go. There's so much room to figure things out. And really that dovetails beautifully with the topic of our episode, which is girl, you don't need Rachel Hollis and I don't either. Let me tell you why. This episode is not intended to continue to be at a dead horse. This is not intended to pile on a woman who I hope is doing what she can to learn and more importantly to unlearn what she needs to, to recover, pick herself up by the bootstraps she always preaches about and move forward. In fact, as we discussed a couple of months ago, if you haven't listened to our first Rachel Hollis episode, now is the time to pause, scroll down to the show notes, click it and listen. Her children are not going to go hungry. Rachel is not going to lose her status as a New York Times bestseller. She is going to get her speaking engagements back. She is, if anything, in a brief pause. This is not cancel culture. No one needs to buy a billboard or paint posters and wave them in the street. These are natural consequences. This is what happens when we make mistakes and when we refuse to learn from them initially and folks push back. Again, all of this will be explained if you go back and listen to our first episode, but so many of you asked for another deep dive. At first, I resisted because I felt like, you know what, I said what I needed to say about the issue at hand. I spoke often through gritted teeth because in my Enneagram 1 way, I felt some righteous anger. I wanted to smack silly anyone who truly believed they were that far above their own audience. And I didn't want to continue that gritted teeth approach, that white knuckle discussion. And instead, I decided to back up, take a more aerial view, look at this from something of a sociological perspective. Many of you had truly insightful comments when we first discussed Rachel Hollis, one of which was that Rachel is masterful. That's an adjective I love in this scenario in particular, masterful at saying what women need to hear that they are not getting anywhere else. And I found that to be the crux of her success. So this episode is going to be not just a dissection of what has happened in the months and the weeks since we've last spoken of Rachel Hollis, but also why we don't need her and not just her. I'm sure she's a lovely person. I would love to have her over for a glass of wine and a bowl of pasta. But why we don't need the self-help industry as it stands, why we're elevating people who don't need to be elevated, why we're allowing people to preach at us from something that isn't the truth, and why we are looking at ourselves through a lens that isn't accurate, something of a funhouse mirror. And I don't mean that only in a body dysmorphia way, although that certainly comes into play. I mean that you cannot be an expert at living. You can be an expert with letters after your name, licenses, credentials in finance, business, wellness, eating, movement, nutrition, child rearing, education, any number of things but just the business of living, what it means to get up and live your life, there's no credentialing process for that. And we have to be incredibly careful about whom we trust. We need to examine their values, not only what they say, but what they do. And we need to learn where we're getting our inspiration from and our insight from. So let's dive into it. When we think about the people that we put on a pedestal, oftentimes it's for a specific skill. LeBron James. Simone, have you ever seen a tiny human catapult herself in so many exact shapes without snapping a leg off? No, you haven't. Miss Biles is one of a kind. Beyonce. For me, (laughs) Brene Brown, the Beyonce of empathy, if you will. I actually had a joke in the first probably season or so of this podcast that I unintentionally had woven Beyonce's name into almost every episode we had. Uh, I don't know how that came to be, but here we are. In the 100th episode, it seems only fitting. Uh, Brene Brown is someone who has spent her career in academia for the most part, uh, as well as topping bestseller lists, but she has studied shame vulnerability, its effect on humans from an academic perspective. She is not someone who throws out um, tiny anecdotes about her life and expands upon those as though they apply to absolutely everyone. She searches through peer-reviewed studies often and through her own experiences to find kernels of truth that do apply to a wide audience. I find it genuinely fascinating as someone who has listened to hours upon hours of her content. Well, I am FaceTiming someone and we are going to just stop. That is what happens when you talk with your hands. And if this weren't the hundredth episode in which I had just told you I'm working on being the low key, easygoing gal, I promised myself I am. I would probably take that out, but I'm not gonna. So here we are. Brene is a doctor with PhD and probably other letters after her name that I don't know. And I don't mean to denigrate Rachel Hollis because she did not earn a college degree or a certificate of some variety or another. I don't mean to say that someone who didn't finish high school and has lived in the world for decades doesn't have something valuable to offer to us. Certainly those people do. However, One thing I try to be so careful about, because although mine is far smaller than hers, I do have something of a platform. When I speak about addiction or intuitive eating, eating disorders, postpartum mental health, mental health at any point in your life, my hope is to point you to experts to provide you resources, books, humans, websites. I really want you to avail yourself of every resource there is out there. But I also want you to make the connection that other people, other voices, humans you haven't even met yet, have been where you are. So perhaps you feel less alone. Maybe that motivates you to take the first step to getting out of whatever rut you're in. This is not to say I have it all figured out and Rachel Hollis should really listen to me, a woman in Greenville, South Carolina, who is currently podcasting in pajama pants. But I do believe that with every platform of whatever size comes accountability even if I were quote unquote, just a mom to four small people who are going to go out in the world and touch the lives of hundreds and thousands of people who will likely have children and shape their grandchildren and create a story that lasts for generations. If I were just, and again, I'm putting that in italics, quotations, sarcasm font, doing that, It would be important for me to have accountability, a system of checks and balances, not unlike uh, the ideal government, right? Where someone can say, "Ooh, I think this is a blind spot for you. Ooh, I see your heart and I know who you are and it's not coming through here. Because those words spoken gently and in love, again, I am a people-pleasing Enneagram 1 with a very tender heart and a loud inner critic, so I lean into the gentle side. Of correction. But accountability is critical. It's so I don't do harm to others. And it's so I do the best in my own life. That's what's happening right now for Rachel Hollis. I listened to hours upon hours of her podcast for this very episode, and kind of landed in a spiral. <laughs> of, I was, cl- I mean, things are clanking around in my head. And I felt like A, I'd said everything that needed to be said about Rachel, but B, there was so much more to examine about why we feel drawn to this masterful script of quick, sudsy, light, fluffy, frothy, pithy content that fits into this little missing puzzle piece and makes it feel like it was spoken just for us. One thing that I found to be a recurring theme in the hours of podcast episodes I listened to. by the way, one point five speed has been the g- biggest gift for me, not only in listening to hours of Brene Brown's remarkable content, but also in listening to podcast episodes where, including mine, folks speak casually, conversationally, slowly. You can get more bang for your buck if you speed it up, which is what I did. I found that Rachel did, a lot more me than us focused speaking. What I mean by that is that instead of saying, here's what we are capable of, here's what I believe and I have drawn from these experiences that we are meant for ABC that we can do this, that we are capable of this. I find that we have something of a tendency to self-aggrandizing personality when we have any level of recognition, whether we get a gold star in the third grade or win a trophy for the most hours in a library. Yes, I did that. Whether we lettered in student government, also a thing that I did. We tend to pump ourselves up, in ways where perhaps we have felt vulnerable before. It's a shame that those varsity letters did not speak to the deep-seated needs I had, to the real hardcore capital I insecurities. But what I hear in Rachel's speech that makes me think this must be what millions of women want to hear is me, 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 me. I did this. These were my circumstances, and this was how I mastered it. This was how I beat it. This was how I got the best of it. This was how I succeeded. I woke up at four in the morning. I did the thing no one was willing to do. I did better than you. Side note, I will admit my bias here. I am not a 4 a.m. riser. In fact, I am more likely to be caught still awake at 4 a.m., Okay, let's, let's be real. Probably 2 a.m., then rising at 4 a.m. And somehow culturally, we have made it so that if you get up at the crack of dawn or hours before, it is so brag-worthy. Oh my gosh, I'm such a good human. I can't believe you slept till 7. I feel like I've lived three days. I've run 10 miles, and I've had three green juices, and I've written a thousand words of gratitude, and I don't even know. Well, you know what, lady? Maybe I was up till 2 in the morning doing like things that I wasn't able to do when I was caring for other people's needs while the sun was up. Let me live my life. Okay? Okay. That really is neither here nor there. I just wanted to include that little piece in case you two are a night owl. The me, me, me versus us talk is what I think happens when we put someone on a pedestal. There has to be a difference between a pedestal and a platform. A platform is a place where we can give voice to our thoughts and to others where we can really create content that can live in the hearts and minds of folks who wouldn't have heard it otherwise. It's a tremendous gift. Even at the level of a platform that I have, it is a powerful gift and one I don't take for granted. Since launching this podcast in April 2019, we have told the story of widows, of cancer and adoption, of fostering and trauma and loss of grieving children Grieving parents, healing bodies, healing hearts, planning parties, building homes, recovering from royal gossip we never saw coming, and perhaps romanticizing 90s rom-coms and the underlying messages we absorbed, whether we intended to or not. We have so many more topics in this field to come, including a Patreon episode Episode very soon about the rebranding, I would say probably three and a half years too late, of Victoria's Secret into something of a coalition that is going to take into account female gaze, the wants of their direct consumers rather than the male gaze, what the rest of the world finds sexy or attractive. I and my Gene Kilborn senior thesis collecting FHM and Maxim magazines to analyze the content of ads and how women are depicted therein, you know, it's it's close to my heart, not just in a brassiere-like fashion. I, I didn't mean that as a pun. But there's plenty to discuss. And we've gotten into all of it. We're going to continue to delve into all of it. The platform size isn't really as critical as the fact that someone is not being put on a pedestal. Because that is when we take away the microscope, the telescope, the, the goggles. I don't I don't know if there's like a inspector gadget word I should use here, but the desire to really look deeply at whether someone's values line up, what they're saying and what they're doing. And I think we would have found over the years with plagiarism and fat phobia and toxic positivity, and some truly puzzling, confounding, and infuriating beliefs that Rachel Hollis was not it. It's why many of us threw her books out, passed them on, really didn't buy in. And by that, I mean literally into the $1,800 ahead tickets to relationship conferences for uh, Rachel and her husband to announce just months after these conferences that they are divorcing. That their marriage has been in crisis for years and they've done everything they could think to do, despite the fact that they were just in your AirPods telling you how their marriage has never been spicier than in quarantine. It is absolutely crucial that we examine the people we're listening to um, with a magnifying glass, not unlike the giant pink one that May found. I don't even know where she got it from, but she holds it up to absolutely everything. I'm not totally convinced. It makes a single letter larger than it was without it, but it looks really cool and she's here for it. And it makes her feel like she's doing something. And in some ways, who am I to judge? I find that the pedestal is what tends to separate people emotionally from their audience. And that is what made me bristle when listening to Rachel's relatable slash unrelatable slash sis slash what makes you think I want to be anything like you discussion from months ago. Again, we dove into that in the spring. I, I don't intend to hammer it into the ground. But that that is the condescension and self-righteousness and self-aggrandization. Self aggrandizing viewpoint, let's do that one. That really just stuck in my craw. That was the bee in my bonnet, as your grandma might say. That is what separated Rachel from her audience. And I, as a white woman in her 30s, a working mom, would probably be in her target demographic if it weren't for so many things that make my eyes roll back so far. They're glued to my spine and my teeth grind in the night because. We don't need self help experts. What we need are just plain experts. You don't need someone to give you a one size fits all approach, band aid solution to something that is incredibly personal, whether that is your physical fitness, your emotional fitness, your relationship success. You need a counselor who can dive into your history. You need a personal trainer who can look at your goals and help you fine tune them. You need a mentor in your industry who can make connections for you, who can open doors. You don't need the shame that comes from toxic positivity, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you have the same number of hours as me and Beyonce, get it done. People make excuses when they don't want it badly enough. Or maybe people make excuses because sometimes excuses are valid. Sometimes your body doesn't need to work out. Maybe you have stayed up till three in the morning working because it's the only time your house is quiet and you literally won't have enough oxygen flowing through your blood to have a good workout anyway. Maybe you're only working out because you're terrified of gaining weight. That is just going to put you right back into an eating disorder cycle that you just overcame. So we're going to set it aside and bounce on the trampoline with your kids, take a brief walk, lie down and meditate, whatever the case may be. You don't need Rachel Hollis to do that. You need someone with a more specific focus and a more vested interest in seeing you personally succeed. After the awful quote unquote apologies that Rachel released this spring that we discussed in the last episode, I listened to her podcast. I heard her voice discuss the issue that she saw being really the crux of the problem. She talked about figuring out what she had done that upset so many people that disappointed so many people, that created an effect that was neither loving nor joyful. Yeah. It's going to be really tough for me to respond joyfully when you literally put your finger in my face and speak to me as though you are 10 miles above me and I'm a speck of dust on your boots. Who is conveniently paid to be there? Rachel talked about being angry and that being the source of her initial frustration and probably lack of control in her words and thoughts. She was angry about what she saw as women attacking women. Um, she says she's untangling that with a therapist right now, but I do want to touch in the same way that we talk about cancel culture and con- consequences not being the same thing. Women attacking women is different than your audience giving you feedback or accountability. Also, there are awful people of all kinds. I don't have to support every woman just because she's a woman. That's just the way it is. I'm going to vote with my dollars. I'm going to buy books from people I believe in. I'm going to support in person people whose causes I align with. It's not attacking you to say, I believed in you and you veered off that course. And this is very frustrating for me. When we start seeing it that way, especially when we're at a point where Uh, I like to say we, (laughs) rhetorical sense here that millions of people have bought your, I don't know, third home. You've got to really dig deep and figure out why that's so bothersome. She said she's read the books, she's done the classes, and she's paid for her team to do the classes. Good job. I wish you hadn't said you paid for your team because we kind of figured that, but you know, great. She says her desire to change isn't because she, you know, just wants to change, but because she doesn't want to have hurt anyone. Not for perception, but because she wants to be worthy of being friends with those people and being a mom to her children. And I appreciate that. I think it comes down to, in my eyes, the difference between a coach and a counselor. We are looking at Rachel Hollis, and I I use we loosely because it really could be any self-help guru, personal development book, We are looking to them for individualized insight and approaches that just aren't possible. A coach is someone who can tell you best practices, how to increase your endurance. I'm speaking very generally because, again, I am a woman who lettered in student government, so let's understand that. But we are looking at someone who has seen a higher level a lot of people come through the ranks and maybe is speaking about what worked for them. A counselor is paid one-on-one to handle your issues, whether it's a business growth counselor, a marriage counselor, a mental health counselor. These are people with certifications, boards that they answer to, licensing requirements, and an individual relationship that is laser focused on you. Not Everyone is going to have that kind of approach. My concern is that we put people on pedestals and act like everything they say is glorious for every human being whose ears catch those words. That's just not it. Rachel talks about, you know, being healthy, healthy, healthy and strong. It feels like a process, an assembly line. Your life is the product to you, honestly. Your life is the product to you. She's selling you a better life. But the truth is that your attention is the product to her. Your attention sells branded planners. It sells t-shirts and tickets and books. It sells ads on podcast episodes. Your attention is the product. But in your eyes, a better future, a brighter life, that's the product. She uses these phrases very often. I could probably do a whole episode about things I wish we didn't have to say anymore. Triggered or self-care even has gotten old and tired, but not serving you. She talks about things that don't serve you. There are a lot of things, and this may not be a really popular opinion, that don't serve me in my life. In fact, they do the opposite. They serve other people. Not everything I do for my four children serves me. It is an actual act of sacrifice. And I don't say that because I need gold stars, or I want you to pat me on the back, or I even want you to remind me, hey, this is what you signed up for. Not for any of those reasons. But to say if you are caretaking for a mother-in-law, a grandmother, a spouse who's been injured or disabled, there are a million things that you have unintentionally signed up for by virtue of relationships and your own moral compass that aren't going to serve you. They're literally going to serve other people. You're probably going to need to learn to draw some boundaries. You're going to learn to do that dreaded self-care. And by that, I don't just mean pedicures. I mean, maybe doing your taxes on time, going to bed early, not staying up till 2am working. And I'm talking to you. Not everything can serve me. I'm not going to write a book about it. I'm just going to tell you that sometimes I do things because the value it provides to other people is worth the inconvenience that it costs me. It isn't eating away at my psyche. It isn't causing me tremendous mental pain or physical harm. It's just not serving me in an hourly investment kind of basis. I could probably make money if I stayed home, right? And tried to get another hour of client work build. But not everything in this life, the way that I view it, needs to serve just me. Again, I feel like this is to some degree picking apart her words, but I think it's valuable for me and hopefully for you to take a look at the people that we are allowing to speak into our lives and maybe sometimes hearing all of these glittery, sparkly, shiny words just sprinkled all over us like magic fairy dust that's going to cure everything without examining them through a lens of, but is it really? I don't know if that's a lens, but I I would buy that lens. I want to lean into education, to people who've gone to seminary, to grad school, who are licensed, not just rhetoric and branding. And not everyone who's going to be a mentor in your life has letters after their name, but it's probably someone who's lived a fair bit more life than you have or a different life than you have. And instead of criticizing you for not achieving what they've achieved or viewing the world the exact way they view it. They're there to impart some wisdom. That's where I see myself a decade or two down the line. What I want to do, I'm not here to criticize you if you have not walked the same path I have and you haven't gotten to the same point where I can't please everyone and also you can be grateful and heartbroken at the same time, it doesn't make you a bad person. I want you to reach your own conclusions because that's the only way we can make any real change, heart change, life change allowing you to sleep through the night change. And now I think with, I think cult is a strong word, but with the fan club of Rachel Hollis maybe put on pause because she is not as much in the public eye. now. It's the time to question, to examine. Rachel said in an episode of the podcast I listened to, the answer to every issue in your life is a habit that will help you navigate around it. I was (laughs) lifting weights at the time, listening to her at one and a half speed over the drone of these fans because we have this great backyard garage workout COVID set up. But you know, we live in South Carolina. It is summer. It is humid. And these fans are a gift from God and my husband. But it makes it hard to hear Rachel. So I had to back it up and listen to it again and then bend over and open my notes app and write in all caps. I wish (laughs) I wish I could pronounce the way that I misspelled. reverie to bingf but all caps, the answer to everything is no one thing. There is no singular problem in your life whose answer is exactly the same across the board. There is no one thing that is the answer to every issue in your life. For instance, I believe that my purpose and my heart align with Jesus's. But that doesn't mean that absolutely every issue in my life has the exact same answer, has any one answer. It colors my view, my perspective, my hope, my insight. But it is not a two-word cheat sheet to just acing the SATs. I found that there was a lot of yelling things, much like I think her mentor, Tony Robbins, who's gotten himself into some hot water in a post me too world, Uh, We're not going to go into that, but you can Google it. There's a lot of yelling things, a lot of unleash the power, something that feels a good bit to me, like corporate worship. Do Do the work. Step into your power. Things that to me lack specificity. They feel very vague. I find them meaningless. Show up for your life. Show up for yourself. They lack definite hope, encouragement, motivation—what I would imagine anyone comes to a self-help "quote unquote" guru for. Rachel talks about daily workouts and the importance of. We will, again, you can hear a little bit more about her fat phobia and things that are not amazing about her approach to physical help in our last episode. But she talks about you can't always get to emotionally strong, but you can get to physically strong. You can work out every day you can't, actually. That's that's patently untrue. And it ignores, in an ableist, close minded kind of way, scores of women who are dealing with any number of health conditions, who are having babies, who are nursing babies, who are running off of a sleep deficiency, who are looking for a shred, little bitty piece of shrapnel of hope. And it just proved to me that what we're looking for, and I use we loosely again, is a kernel of hope that we plant, we check off the list they give us, and suddenly we're skyrocketed to the top of the bestseller list, to the very best version of ourselves, to quote-unquote showing up for our lives, whatever that may mean. And when we dust off the pixie dust and we take away the buzzwords and we look for the credentials and their certifications, and we examine the timeline of divorces and $1,800 relationship conferences. When we hear episodes like, I believe two weeks ago, she put out one about her second first kiss, I guess the second man she's ever kissed in her life, the first one post-divorce, where she says, Plain as day, I don't know anything about relationships, which is fine. You don't have to have it all figured out. I don't think there's a 95 year old in the world who would tell you, you know what? I've walked this earth long enough to let you know I've figured it out. Get out of pen. No, it's totally fine. But there has to be accountability that comes with that. Hey guys, I know you paid like a literal metric ton of money to hear me and my ex-husband pretend as though we didn't have issues that we were wrestling day by day. I'm sorry about that. And I want to tell you what I've learned. That hasn't happened. That kind of accountability, that acknowledgement of wrongdoing, of hurt, I haven't seen it. So I want to tell you that I don't have it all figured out. Neither do you, I would imagine. But I'm not charging you (laughs) for this conversation. And I'm not claiming to know everything. I think the difference is I have a gut awareness that what works for me is not always going to be the same for you. There will be pieces of the truth of what fits into my life, feeding my kids, potty training them, balancing work, trying to sleep, occasionally laughing with my husband on the sofa before we fall into bed and snore that might hold true in your life. But what I learned the older I get is that the louder someone beats their own drum, and tells you they have it all figured out and something is wrong with you, that's the kicker, you. You are the deciding factor. You hold all the cards. You could have a better attitude. You could do more. You could work out every day. There is a singular solution to your problems. That's when that little voice in your gut, in your heart, in your mind should start shouting like alert, 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 because it just can't be true. Look to people in your circle for recommendations about a great counselor a marriage counselor, a nutritionist, someone who is focused on health on every at every size, someone who can speak to you about your child's dyslexia, someone who can unpack your childhood trauma. I'm currently working my way through a book I should have read ages ago because I heard about it a million times called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's so powerful that I, I must have underlined every fourth word for the second half of the book. And honestly, I was pretty emotionally gutted by it. It took a long time to unpack and process, given what the last nine years has looked like for my family. It was tender and exhausting, just the underlining. And that's kind of why you didn't get a podcast episode from me last week. Work deadlines, small humans, and figuring out, wow, why did reading this chapter feel hard? What does it mean? I want you to know that whatever it is you would seek to cure by buying a book called Girl Anything, actually. I remember using a fitness ribbon in the basement of my parents' house when I was about eight from a line called Get in Shape, Girl. Pretended I was like an Olympic ribbon dancer. I'm sure it was quite a sight to behold. I wish my parents had secretly recorded that so I could enjoy the laugh myself, but Otherwise, if you're speaking to anyone over the age of, as we said in the last episode, maybe like mid to late sixth grade, 11 and a half or so, I'm not going to call you a girl. I'm just going to tell you if there's a problem that you are looking to seek an answer for, look deeper. Don't go to someone whose husband already had such a six-figure safety net for her every annual pay period that it didn't really matter if she won or not that she's going to impose standards and practices and expectations on you that don't line up with what was required of her on her ascent into selling out stadiums. Listen to your own body. I'm learning this from The Body Keeps the Score. There's a lot more wisdom in what we feel in our bodies if we just listen. My kids know a lot by how they feel. Probably your puppies do too. Whether they like someone or not, they don't have to run it through all the pieces and parts of their brain. They trust it. Something feels weird. I feel queasy. My heart's fluttering. My palms are sweaty. Something's churning in my gut. The same is true for people we want to hand dollars to. If nothing else, check the books out from the library for heaven's sake. Let our tax dollars do that work, right? I want you to know that as much as I didn't want to worry about the 100th episode of making it just perfect, I finally had to throw caution to the wind, sit down in front of this mic and just talk to you from my heart. There are so many really wonderful stories coming up on But Not All At Once, women that you will love, women that you will get to know and be surprised by, just as you have for the last two years. There is a dissection, as we said, on Patreon of Victoria's Secret. There is more royal intrigue, gossip, and uh, frustration between the Sussexes and the Cambridges, especially as Princess Diana's statue is about to be unveiled. And there are heartaches and joys and victories from women that you have yet to meet, but are really going to love. All of this is coming up and none of this would be possible if you weren't here. I don't ever want to be on a pedestal. I want to be a platform that amplifies your voice and that says we, not me, because we can piece this together communally. I have figured out very little Besides perhaps that my most effective working hours are between 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. So don't take that advice and run with it. Do not implement it and implement it in your own life because your mileage may vary. But know that I love you and I'm so glad you're here. You can hear our Patreon episodes at patreon.com slash but not all at once. Where for $3 a month, you can buy mics and help women find a voice for another 100 episodes. I hope that's true. I can't wait to schedule a time to be with you guys in person later this year. I'm ready to see the faces whose um, numbers I see every week and the cities and the downloads and all of the information and, and to finally put faces with names. I can't wait to hug your necks. I can't wait to introduce you to the women whose stories have changed your lives because it's not me, it's them. And the connections and the healing and the encouragement would put a lump in your throat if I could give you just a taste of what I see in my DMs every week. Thank you for being here. You can find me at But Not All At Once on Instagram, up at ButNotAllAtOnce.com. Send me your ideas, your suggestions, your gentle rebukes, and um, all the ideas for an in person get together because the longer we're in 2021, the closer we get to that. And I can't wait. Thank you for being here for 100 episodes. I can't wait to see what's next. I'll talk to you next week, but until then, take good care.